a tale of two families. In John 8, 37 through 47, which Steve read for you earlier, there's a conversation going on between Jesus and the Jews. And it goes along with the conversation I just had with you. Because you see, the Jews were prideful people. The Jews believed they had rights because of their physical heritage. Rights that nobody else had and nobody else would ever have. As a matter of fact, they made a a practice of forcing people to become Jews in order for them to be received in the community. And they continued this practice throughout the Old and New Testament, many of them. It's a tale of two families that I want to talk to you about. And the majority of you in here are part of family number two as a heritage. In other words, physically. You're a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. Okay? And there, there is at least one and maybe others in our congregation who is of Hebrew descent. There start out in category number one, family number one in this story, okay? Family number one through the physical line was chosen by God. (laughs) Family number two was rejected, cast off, okay? But at the end of the story, as we're going to see today, family number two spiritually becomes part of the family of God, accepted equally as God's people. We're going to talk about the redeeming of a family. We're going to talk about the the fact that Abraham is our father. We're going to talk today about the fact that you can have no advantage according to your flesh, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. We're going to talk about the gospel. Children, as you're listening today, I want you to focus in on three words, okay? Abraham, devil, and father. Now, the way this goes is you write down each time you hear me say it. So I've already said Abraham already, okay? That's the second time I've said Abraham. That's the third time. Okay? So you be making marks as I say those things. Abraham, that's number four. Devil, and then father. Jesus is having a conversation with these physical descendants of Abraham, the Jews. And it's reaching a climax in his argument. John chapter 8 has been a continuous exercise of Jesus answering questions, teaching about who he is, and now he's reaching the end. He's climaxing his message. He's already told them, I am the light of the world. He who is following me is no longer in darkness, but in light. And he made reference in this way to the ceremony of lighting the lamps during the Feast of the Tabernacles. We talked about the Feast of Tabernacles two or three Sundays ago. The celebration of God's people, Israel, through time, 
from the, the, the wandering in the wilderness when God dwelled in a tabernacle. And they dwelled in tents and tabernacles, little dwelling places. And this celebration is to show that this is not our home. We have a home in heaven. This celebration is to show God dwells with us. This celebration, the Feast of the Tabernacles, is to show that He is living water. We may be in a desert and we may have no water, but Jesus is living water. God is living water. And He will supply all of our needs. And Jesus said, in reference to the Holy Spirit, if you're in me, you'll receive the water of living, of the living water, the water of life, which is the Holy Spirit. Okay? We've talked about that in background. Now he's coming to the end of his discussion, the climax, the pinnacle of his argument. And look how it starts out in verse 37, as we're calling attention to this passage. I know, Jesus says, that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. Jesus is pointing out the error of their ways. From the very beginning, He points them to the fact that they are confused about their heritage. First of all, as this applies to you, you cannot trust in your earthly heritage for salvation. I don't care if you're a Jew. If you're a Jew in here today, by birth, physically, you have no great claim to salvation. As a matter of fact, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior before you die, you will go to hell. God has made no promise to you based on your flesh, based on who your forefathers are. There are no promises for you, not in the Old or the New Testament, based on your flesh. None. None. But you may be in here and have been raised Catholic. It's interesting, the Catholic Church patterned itself after the Jewish religion. Its ceremonies, its rituals, mirror almost exactly the Jewish faith. And many Catholics believe they're okay because why? They're part of what? By birth, the Catholic Church. And you'll hear them reason this way when you share your faith with them. They'll say, when you talk about the gospel, they'll say, oh, I'm a, I'm, I am a Catholic. I'm, I'm a Christian. I was christened. I'm in the family, in other words, because I'm of my heritage. That's what they're basing it on. Right? And just so we don't leave anybody out, many of you Protestants think the same way. And your reasoning goes, my mom and my dad took me to church when I was just a little bit. I've heard people say, I was born in a nursery. You ever heard that phrase? Be careful. That person generally heads the direction of, I've always been a Christian because I was born in church. I've always been to church. And we share the gospel with them, they reason that way. When did you start following Jesus Christ? Well, I've always followed Jesus Christ. Because I went to church when I was just baby six weeks old, a baby. And I've been in church ever since. The Jews tried to prove their salvation based on their heritage and their following the heritage. In other words, they continued in the works of their forefathers, right? 
The Catholics try to prove themselves through what? Their heritage and the continuation that they have carried on in their own personal lives of the rituals they were taught as a child. And therefore, I am in. I'm okay. And Protestants do the same thing. Many Protestants try to prove their salvation the same way. I was born in church. I was baptized at six. I've kept going to church. I read my Bible. I go to Sunday school. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't curse. I don't like people that do. And I'm okay. I'm in the family of God. Right? And we all chuckle. But deep down inside, many of you say, puffed up. What's wrong with that? That's good Christianity right there. No. It's dead religion. It's void of Christ. And Jesus would say to you, you have no advantage because of your heritage. Your earthly heritage gives you no distinct advantage over a pagan in a foreign country. Evidence of that abounds on our college campus here locally. Seth and I, over the last five years, and Katie was a part of that, Jim Dudley and so many others, the conversation we always were having to have about how many people are at JSU raised up in the church and believe they're a Christian because they went to church. And they're good people. And they try to do right things, so they're good. I'm in, right? But when you ask them about their relationship with Christ, they look at you like you're a foreign object. They don't know what you're talking about. They can't talk about following Jesus. Because it's not about Jesus, it's about their earthly family, their heritage. It's a Jewish argument. And Jesus says it's absolutely wrong. It's absolutely false. Godly heritage is no guarantee of salvation. In verses 37 through 38, we see that Jesus says, Yes, sure, you're offspring of Abraham, yet you're trying to kill me. These people came from godly forefathers for a few thousand years. And yet He says, I'm here, the Messiah, and you're trying to kill me. Godly heritage is not a guarantee that you're going to find salvation, be saved. In verse 38, look what he says. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Jesus just gave us a huge indication. He's going to back it up in just a minute. What he's saying to them is very offensive. He's saying, you're not a child of God. You're a child of of the devil. Is it any wonder why in verse 59 they picked up stones to stone him? In our politically correct days, Jesus would not fit in. Jesus would say, you either believe in me or you're going to hell. Period. You're either in the branch, the family, through me, or you're outside. There's no in-between. You see, there's two families in the world. Believers in Christ and unbelievers. Those who've accepted Christ, those who've rejected Christ. Those are the two families. And the desire they have to kill him comes because he gives no middle ground. He gives no advantage to the flesh. He's not a good Jew. He wouldn't have been a good Catholic. And unfortunately for us, he wouldn't have been a good evangelical Protestant in the West in 2008. We'd be ridiculing him. 
Before you jump on the Jews with both feet in this text, realize we would be in their shoes, I think. Most people in the evangelical church in the West would today do the same thing as the Jews. They would say, how dare you tell people they're not going to go to heaven just because they hadn't accepted you? How prideful. Let's get rid of this guy. Let's dismiss him. Let's stop listening to him. Now let me show you the reasoning here. Abraham was chosen by God for the purpose of fathering the physical forerunners of Christ. Now I didn't put that on the screen for you, but I want you to write that down. God did choose Abraham for a specific and wonderful purpose. In Genesis chapter 12, He called him out of his land and He promised him, I will make you a blessing to all the nations. He uses the phrase, through your offspring... Not springs. I want you to investigate that for yourself. In Genesis, God never promises the heritage of Abraham anything. What He promises is that all of the nations will be blessed through the one offspring of Abraham, Jesus Christ. The promise to Abraham is that your seed will be the Messiah. The Messiah will come into the world through your lineage. And He will be a blessing to all the nations. There's no advantage. Listen, I want to throw things at my television when I hear people wasting people's lives and time preaching out of the newspaper instead of the Bible about the latest headlines of catastrophe in the Middle East as if, as if the Jews have an advantage over us. Literally, it makes me sick. Because you might as well take this type of passage and tear it from your Bible. Take the book of Galatians and burn it. The end times does not focus on Israel. The end times focuses on God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you'll never know when I'm coming back, only the Father knows that. You can't predict it. You can't see it. I'm going to come when my Father says I'm going to come. The end times focuses on Christ. And the perversion the church is preaching now is a focus on people groups and nations and politics and who's going to be present. Who's going to be present? If I get asked one more time, please don't ask me. Please don't ask me if Obama is the Antichrist. I just had to say that. I've gotten too many emails and comments about it. You're focused on the wrong thing. You're focused on the Antichrist. Focus on the Christ who is coming again. That's who I want you to focus on. That's who the Bible wants you to focus on. That's who Jesus is telling these Jews to focus on. Don't focus on your heritage. Focus on me. You want to kill me. Because you don't want to look at me. You don't want to know that I'm the only way. You want an easier way. You want your way. You don't want my Father's way. That's why you want to kill me. That's why you don't accept me. That's why you don't believe in me. You're dependent on your heritage. You need to depend on me. Abraham was chosen by God for the purpose of fathering the physical forerunners of Christ. Secondly, God entered a covenant with Abraham by promise, not law. Now, this reference goes Genesis 12, when he makes the promise. 
He says, this is a promise to you and to your offspring. Genesis 15, he says again, this is an agreement by promise, not covenant. A covenant by promise, not law. Okay, there's a distinction. And then he says in 17 and 21 again and again that Isaac is the child of promise, not Ishmael. That Abraham's blessing to the nations will be the child of promise. The law doesn't enter the equation until Moses, 430 years later, after they've been in captivity, God gave the law through Moses. And we have this beautiful picture in Galatians 3. So that you don't think I've fallen off my rocker, I'm going to pin it on Paul and the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 3, verse 15. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. In other words, the original promise is the promise. The original agreement is the agreement. You can't change the agreement. So if, here's the reasoning, the, if the covenant was based on the law of Israel and a heritage of Jewish descent, we're all out. Everybody. Because you can't change an agreement once you strike it. He says, Paul does, through the Holy Spirit, now the promises, listen, were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ. The covenant was not with a physical line of people. The covenant was with Jesus Christ. Christ before the foundation of the world. And His covenant with His Son, Jesus Christ, was based on your sacrifice, I'll redeem some from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. And they will be with us as one in front of our throne, worshiping in us forever. So when you put the Israelites ahead of the rest of the world, you are disobeying and not following the rules which Paul has laid out for us clearly. There is no, Can I say it one more time? You have no advantage based on how you were born or where you were born or who you were born to. It is Christ who has the advantage. It is Christ who God made a promise to. Isn't that beautiful? Because if it was based on Abraham's lineage, we'd all be out. Because you can't change a covenant once it's in act. Oh, how beautiful is the gospel. And it was preached from before the world was founded. Anybody who binds you up with the law, anybody who binds you up with a covenant to Israel and a covenant to the church and these distinct people groups is not preaching the Bible. They may be preaching with the Bible, but they're not preaching the Bible. Look what he says. This is what I mean. I want you to understand. The law which came 430 years afterward, speaking of the Mosaic law, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it 
to Abraham by promise. There's no advantage. He's saying. Jesus said it and Paul said it. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Genesis 15, 1 through 6. When he gets to the end of the promise, it says in verse 6, And Abraham believed God and that was counted to him as righteousness. It wasn't righteousness, but it was counted as righteousness. And Paul carries that same argument over for us in the New Testament. Fourth, Abraham's descendants are those who believe God through Christ. This is controversial. I had a pastor tell me and reprimand me one time because I teach my children Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And what? I am one of them and so are you, so let's all praise the Lord. And he said, that's not true. It's not biblical. Yes, it is. I beg to differ. Based again on the Word of God. Galatians 3, verses 7 through 9 say, Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. You ought to teach your children their children of Abraham. If they have faith in Jesus Christ, and if they don't, they're from family number two, not family number one. Look what he says. And the Scripture foreseeing, this is so beautiful, that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Do you read the beauty of that passage? The Bible, from the very beginning, was looking to us. God was looking to us and saying, I'm going to ratify, with my, I'm going to ratify the covenant in the eternity past, and I'm going to fulfill it by bringing the Gentiles to myself through Christ. And he says that the scriptures said, uh, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. How was Father Abraham the father of the faithful? Because he believed the gospel. You know what Abraham believed? He believed if I don't believe God's word, if I don't accept God's promise made to me, Abraham believed, if I don't accept that, I'll die and go to hell. I'll be separated. I have to believe the promise. And he believed it, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And this is so that all us Gentiles would understand it's not about a heritage, how you were born the people you were born to, the things you do on the outside, it was always intended that you would be saved through Christ. That's the gospel. How were the Old Testament saints saved? Does anybody want to guess? How were they saved? They believed the gospel and they were saved. There's not two gospels. There's one gospel. And it's been the same since before the foundation of the world. You cannot put any stock in your heritage, whether you were born a Jew, born a Catholic, born a Protestant, born a non-believer. There's no advantage to you. Fifthly, Abraham's physical descendants have rejoiced. Have excuse me, Abraham's physical descendants have rejected the promise for the most part. The fact is. That most, 
Jews through time have rejected the promise. It's a sad commentary. It's a terrible commentary. And I'm not going to get into all of the technicalities. One day, God willing, I'll get to preach through Galatians. And boy, am I excited about it. But Galatians 4, 21 through 31, which for time's sake I won't read to you, says that if you are a national Jew and you don't believe the gospel, you are a child of Hagar the slave. And he says, by the way, the city of Jerusalem this day is a child of Hagar. Talk about non-politically correct. No wonder they wanted to stone Paul. When you preach the gospel, look out. It gets you in a lot of trouble. Jesus said you have no advantage. Paul said you have no advantage. I'm saying you have no advantage because of your physical descent. Those who reject the promise of God in Christ are children of the devil. Verse 38 says this clearly. He says, you do what you have heard from your father. I do what I've heard from my father, and you do what you've heard from your father. The devil is his implication. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you are a child of the devil. You know you're saved. How can, can I know if, I'm, if I can't count on my heritage, how can I know I'm a Christian? How can I know I'm a follower of Christ? You know you're saved by the faith by, by the fruit which is born in your life. If you're a true believer, you will love and worship Christ. Listen. We're no different than these Jewish leaders. The church is always teaching a focus on the outside. Do you do this? Do you abstain from this? Do you go this place? Do you do this thing? Do you leave off that? You're okay then. Jesus says no. No. The focus is what your life does. What comes from you. Look what he says in verse 39. If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. What did Abraham do? He believed the gospel. And when he believed the gospel, God gave him a new heart, a new life, a new heritage. Because he believed it, he's eternally safe in Christ. And the evidence these people were not true believers is that they were focused on all the other things in their life. They were focused on their heritage. They were focused on their keeping of the law. They were focused on what they were doing what they weren't doing. They were legalists. They were legalists. And Jesus says, you'll know whether you're a Christian or not based on whether you do what Abraham did. So I'm asking you, have you believed the gospel? When I ask you if you believe the gospel, I'm not asking you if you know it. I'm asking, do you believe it? Is your life staked on the fact that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation? He's not 
part of the way, some of the way, one of the ways. He is the way of salvation. If you are your children, do not stake your lives on the gospel. You are not a child of God. You're a child of the devil, like so many Jews have been through the years. Christ has opened up the way of salvation to all the nations. And sadly, the report has come that most of the nations have responded like the Jews. We don't want your way. We want our way. And so, how can I know I'm a Christian? Well, what's the fruit in your life? If you're a believer, you'll love Christ. You'll worship Christ. You'll do what Abraham did in Genesis 18. You'll fall down at the feet of Christ who came to Him, by the way, in pre-incarnate form, and you'll worship. That's what Abraham did. And that's what Jesus says you would do if you're a believer. If you're a child of the devil, you'll reject Christ because you're like your father, who it says in Isaiah 14 Verse 12 through 15, wanted to lift himself up above the Most High. He wanted to be worshipped. And so because of that, he was cast out of heaven. His fall was great. You'll be like your father the devil if you don't accept Christ. You will, like Ezekiel 28, 12 through 15, go from being a glorious being in creation to being an absolute despicable creation. You will be like your father. Is your father God through Christ or is your father the devil? I can't answer that question for you. Jesus doesn't tell us to answer the question for you. You know you're saved by the focus of your life. Is your focus the spirit or the flesh? Verse 41b says, They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. See, their focus is the flesh. We have one Father, even God. They were focused on the flesh. We're children of Abraham. Save your sermon for somebody else. We got it. We were born into it. And Jesus says, no. He says, look what he says in verse 42. If you're a believer, you will focus your life on Christ. If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I'm here. They were focused on the flesh. Are you focused on the flesh? Are you caught up, bound up of what you do is how God accepts you? You're acting just like your father, the devil. Or is your focus Jesus Christ? That means... You are a part of the family of God. You are a child of the promise. You can rightly call yourself a child of Abraham. You're grafted in. Look what it says in 45 through 47. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God... Listen to this. Here's the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. This whole message was foolishness to you unless the Spirit of God has borne witness in your heart and birthed you to new life. 
because you must be born again. If I can't count on my heritage and I can't count on religion, what can I count on? The gospel. Birth through Christ. And it's not a matter of can you do it. You can't do it. It's a matter that it must be done. Look what he said. The reason for you not hearing me is you're not of God. You're not born again. That's what he says. So I would say to you, do you hear the gospel? Not with these ears, but with the ears of your inner man, do you hear the gospel? And when you hear it, in your inner man, do you respond in rebellion and hatred of Christ or do you respond and say, this is the way. This is the truth. This is the life. There's no other way to come to he heaven except through this way. Because see, that's the identifier of whether you're in the first family or the second family. The first family are believers, Jew and Gentile, male or female, Paul says. The mark of those in the believing family is they trust Christ. They stake their eternal life on Christ and Christ alone. If He doesn't save me, I'm doomed. And they bear the fruit of the Spirit. Are you a part of the second family? Which focuses on the flesh and the outer works and the law keeping and the goodness that you can offer to God saying, I have a good heritage. I have good works. I have all of this. How could God ever reject me? He can reject you because He's a just judge and that's not the way He set the system up from the very beginning. He has not changed the rules. The rules have always been the same. Because once you make a covenant, you can't change it. The covenant was to the offspring Christ and all who would believe in Him. Do you see it? I mean, hopefully as you leave here today, you've got a few handles to grab hold of to help you see the gospel. Because I'm going to tell you something. Without this gospel, you have no hope. Without this gospel, you will face the judgment of God. Jew or Gentile, male or female, makes no difference. But with this gospel, God has held out His hand to you. And He said, come. Drink. Come. Eat. Come. Live with me. That's my prayer for you. That you will come and eat and drink and live the gospel with Him. And in the end, you'll stand before the throne with the throngs of Abraham's promised children. 
Abraham himself will say louder than anybody, Oh God, you have kept your promise. I mean, can you imagine the joy of Abraham as he stands with those who've been redeemed in Christ, praising Christ, falling at his feet again, saying, you've kept your word. It has not been moved. The only question left for you is, will you be there or not? Are you in Christ or are you not? Please, if you're not in Him today, beg Him to save you through Christ and Christ alone. Beg Him to let you follow Him through Christ and Christ alone. And I can guarantee you that prayer from the heart will be answered with a resounding, yes, you may, because He keeps His promises. Let's pray. Father, As we end this time, I know it's been a difficult, difficult, heavy message.